Yo, is it time? Okay. All right, we'll turn that down some so we can get this going. K-Shed uncuffed. Starts right, well, don't do it that abruptly. It's too late now. But K-Shed uncuffed is ready to roll, man. Here, episode number 12. It's just like we're on record pace, man. Uh, I don't know, let's, let's not hold back, I guess. You know, when we created this thing, we didn't want to put restrictions or limitations on what we're trying to do. So, you know, if, if it's time to put one out there so we can have some fun with our listeners and all that stuff, let's do it. So that's why we're here today. You know, actually, it's a, it's a fun, fun day. You know, being retired is pretty cool. You know, I mean, um, I can, uh, you know, I mean, I worked my ass off to get to this, this retirement. And I, I promised my mom back in the days when I f first started being a police officer that I was going to get my retirement because she's she's living life right now uh, with her retirement from the from being a teacher. So she makes crazy money and she's been making crazy money for the, for a long, long time now because the retirement system as a teacher and the education system out in um, uh, Rock Island, Illinois, which is right over the bridge from where I grew up, Davenport, Iowa, it's really good. So they really take care of uh, their retirees and my mom knew that. So she would always look at me and say, I don't care how tired you are. You're going to get your retirement. And I'm just, oh my God, okay, mom. So I promised her that I would stay in there. So when I thought I was going to be done being a cop after like 10 years or so, I had to put in another 10 to get to my retirement. And I have to say, obviously moms are always right. And she was right on this one because, you know, I make good money from being retired from the police department. And it's 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 well worth it because when I, uh, a year or so uh, before I actually officially retired, I was placed on admin leave. And uh, it's great to be able to kind of like uh, relax and rest and stuff and everything because for that year prior to me, clearing retirement man i i put up a battle i was in a face-to-face -face battle hardcore daily battle with my former employer that was like a heavyweight bout and when it was all over with i was tired man i was mentally worn out uh just physically tired and all that stuff it was just kind of like you know they'd come with this with this false allegation i duck stick them with a jab and to get them up off me. Then they'd come with something else stupid and all this ridiculous uh, stuff that was that they felt that they had to kind of create uh, just to come at me. And they, I think I think they thought that I was going to bow down. And um, my whole thing was just to make my mom and dad proud. Um, as long as they were proud of the fight that I put up, that would be great because they always said, young Kenny, and then all my, my brothers and sisters too, that's just how we were taught. We want you guys to be the bigger person no matter what, okay? Someone's messing with you, just try to just walk away. But when you get to that point where you can't take it anymore, you turn around and knock the crap out of them. And that's what I did. You know, I've shared this story before in, in kind of increments, but never really so much in detail. It all depends on when I feel like it, um, you know, divulging more information. But, you know, it's funny how things work. You know, the, the person who put me on admin leave was actually a young rookie officer who I took under my wing and showed him all the different things from a very early stage. Hey, look, people... People, I didn't say all this, but I knew that 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 people were kind of like uh, talking trash about that particular person. And I said, look, man, just come on in and just be humble. Uh, focus on the little things. Get it all settled on in and stuff and ease your way into uh, the police force. And, and um, you know, I mean, you have many different high quality traits and stuff. Um, 
And then there was a couple things that I did just to kind of make sure that 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 he he learned some things. And it's just so ironic that you know, 20 years down the road, or that wasn't 20 years, uh, how many ever years down the road past that, then um, he was the one who placed my admin leave. Uh, it wasn't his decision. I get it. He was kind of influenced and pushed to go that route. But at the same time, you would expect someone uh, of that type of, uh, with that type of background uh, with me would uh, go to bat a little bit more than what they did. So anyway, there's... There's people of all kinds and all levels, you know, that you're going to have to deal with in this world. In law enforcement, you're surrounded by that type of thing. You can, you know, you got your coworkers who you work well with, and then you got your other ones who are out to get you no matter what you do. My ass was targeted, I believe, since I've when I first started being a cop, you know, just, I don't know really what it was, but it's just, I had to fight battles daily, just like nonstop. And then I get this person off me and I turn around, all of a sudden there's somebody else. And then there's another person, another one. So by the time this whole thing was over with 20 years down the road in law enforcement, man, this last battle wore my ass out, you know? And so, but it was a mutual separation that worked out best, I think, for both parties and stuff. One of the things that's that's great, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom passed this bill called Senate Bill 331, which allows people who um, were discriminated against for race, uh, ethnicity, uh, you know, gender, whatever, and then um, if that was the case, and then um, they separated, a mutual separation from whatever employer, um, and there was a settlement that, that took place in order for that to happen. This bill 331 now allows that particular person who left to be able to tell the stories and the details about what happened and why they felt that they were discriminated against and uh, can tell, you know, kind of very detailed stories about what went down. So with that, I'm trying to, I'm trying, you know what? I don't want to ruin the mood of anybody. I got my girls, they're growing up, they're, 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 doing well in school. One's about to graduate. Miss Mercedes Capri, she's about to graduate here in three or so months. And so, you know, they all watch my podcast and they watch their podcast with the ears. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, they listen to my podcast and, you know, they, they hear information. They obviously, they know they're concerned about their dad. They were there when all that went down stuff. So, but they really don't know all the details of what really, really went down. And so at one point here, I'm going to spill the beans. But right now, I just want to enjoy everything. I'm easing my way back into a normal routine. I'm going to be helping out coaching over at the Liberty High School. And it's very, very cool to see because you see these young athletes who with all this talent, um, some are young, obviously, because um, they're in high school. Uh, some are more focused than others, but you could just, you get all these different dimensions and, and you just start pitching yourself in high school and reliving those days like, man, if I would have, if I would have known some of the things, obviously, that I know now, I would have, I would have been I would have had a great career in high school that started off in high school. But for me personally, I was just not disciplined enough to kind of understand. And it was kind of difficult for me because I had a brother who was the exact opposite of me. He was the the, the class uh, student body president, honor honor rolls. I think he was the was the uh, valedictorian um, at Davenport West High School. Uh, he was the student. He was just a, a, a prized student in all levels and ended up going to the uh, Air Force. Academy, 
uh, with great honors. Uh, I mean, if you go to the Air Force Academy, you have to be sponsored and recommended by the governor of your state to even be able to get admitted into the academy. And so that was high level stuff. And then here I am, this little, <laughs> uh, this little run of the family, I guess, you know, didn't really quite know where I fit in with the with the uh, sports world and all that stuff. I just knew I was fast. People just knew I was fast and stuff, but never really, you know, I never really played midget league football. So going into high school, I was really raw and just kind of like trying to find my way and everything and stuff. So, you know, and that's, that's what I think is I'm going to use as my advantage because, uh, you know, I'm also taking on a quality control role for the football team too. And, you know, I'm going to be able to talk to some of these guys, pull them aside and say, Hey, look, uh, I just I just know, you know, that they're going to be listening and they're going to take what they can get out of it and they're going to utilize it because, uh, uh, you know, this this group of uh, high schoolers are uh, ballers are really mature. The Liberty High School has this head coach, Coach Cable, who is just uh He's 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 legit and he's turning that program around and I, I feel great to be a part of it stuff So it's exciting. It just obviously yeah, it reminds me of my days in, in high school And when I finally did figure it out maybe a, a senior year that, You know that I can ball if I start listening to my coaches and all that stuff You know, I started having good games and good, you know, good year in terms of football though it and track it, pretty much in sports, really, in general, it doesn't matter. There's always gonna be somebody who can ball better. And that's, isn't that exciting? Isn't that crazy? You know, we're gonna talk about the NFL here in a bit and all that stuff, and um, just it's just wild. It's a wild ride, you know? You can be, you can, like that commercial, practice hard, eat right, and I'm still gonna kick your ass. <laughs> you know, that's how sports is, man. And it, it's exciting to, to think about it. I remember in, 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 um, in high school, I played for Davenport West Falcons. We had really cool uh, colors, red and white. I know it's pretty basic, but just we stood out. Um, you know, it was you know we had a good team that year and all that. Um, and I was one of the featured running backs, so I would have a I had some pretty good years too. And I thought that for a minute there, I was like, okay, I'm the I'm pretty good at this. And then we went up against Bettendorf. And all I heard about was this Greg Brown guy. I'm like, I can't be that good. You know, I mean, statewide type known, Greg Brown was just lighting it up with the stats. And I just, I just, I got to see it myself. And so we go out there to Bettendorf in that beautiful, crazy, scary stadium that they have. Their colors are, are uh, daunting, you know, like black and gold, like the Iowa Hawkeyes. And those some cool uniforms. And then here comes Bettendorf out there. Big old boys, like, woo. They look like a, like the Steelers out there, man, trying to, trying to come up against us. And and sure enough, Greg Brown just lit us up, man. He had like almost 250 yards and the three touchdowns in the first half. And they sat him down for the for in the middle of the second quarter because the game was already way out of hand and we were getting our butts spanked. So, um, I mean, it's just a humbling, humbling thing. So, you know, it's going to be my job, I think, uh, as uh, uh, receiver, one of the receiver coaches and quality control coaches, um, this year to make sure that, uh, you know, that the guys are ready to play. But at the same time, if they go out there and they face a foe that just just was so dominant that they don't get it discouraged because uh, the football season is a long season. Um, if they just stay focused and, um, you know, get to the playoffs, then then it's a whole new new ball game. So, you know, that's what I'm going to I'm looking forward to that. It, it, I, if I wasn't retired, you know, I would not be in this position to be able to do all this stuff. So. 
that's another advantage of uh, making the decision to to shut it down. 20 years out in the streets, uh, I think I paid my dues and it's now time to kind of like chill and relax and focus on some of the things that I uh, wanted to do in my life, which is obviously you guys know, movie making, uh, being there, watching my girls grow up and um, try to be there for whoever needs me, I guess. But one of the other things I'm looking around is it's like uh, being a former Raider, it's it's impossible not to uh, feel attached to what's going on right now with the team. Yeah, people are asking me, is this a, what's going on here? Is this a rebuild with the Raiders? And I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe it other than it's the NFL. You know, Derek Carr being uh, released and then now he's uh, with the Saints. Uh, people can't believe that. They can't wrap their mind around it. I mean, me, I kind of... I kind of saw it coming. I mean, you you can you can read between the lines how things went down last year. You could, they got a they had a new regime, uh, new general manager. It's just a new culture that they're trying to uh, reinvent. And you know that's the those are the hazards of the the NFL is you get you get a every person is going to get a certain amount of time to show what they can do. And the bottom line is you have to win. You know, if you're not winning Super Bowls or all that stuff, you know, you can be there how many ever years you want. And, and like in Derek Carr's case, you know, I mean, he threw for over 35,000 yards, uh, 200 plus uh, touchdowns, three plus uh, uh, Pro Bowls. Just dude was legit. I mean, um, uh, prototypical quarterback. I, I, you know, obviously I met him, uh, talked to him. Good, good guy. Strong leader. Uh, but bottom line is, man, guys and girls, I'm not trying to uh, pinpoint any particular listeners. Man, I hey, I love y'all all, man. Let's do this, man. Case yet uncuffed. Man, we're just getting started. But anyway, uh, back to Derek Carr. Uh, so he had a, a win-loss record of 63 and 79. Man, that's that's not good. That's not good at all. With no touchdowns, I'm sorry, no uh, Super Bowl wins, no um, playoff wins, I don't think either. So, you know, that's hard, man, especially if you're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes, which is almost the exact opposite. Patrick Mahomes uh, career as a starter was 64 wins and 16 losses with two Super Bowl wins. Come on, man. That's how you do it. If you're going to be in the NFL and you're going to go through all the stuff that, that you end up going through, like Patrick Mahomes' ankle in about 20 years, he's going to be hobbling and just remembering that day that he, that he hurt it in the game. And then you know they gave him a shot. There's no way in the world he could have come back out there without anything, any painkiller. Um, and, and he's, and, but he did, he did what he had to do. He knew he did not want to let his team down, his fans down, his family, everybody. He just knew that they were dependent on him to get back out there. And so I, I, I applaud what he did. I didn't think he was going to be able to do it, but, um, he's so mentally tough that he just found a way, you know, and that's why I have a lot of respect for, for him. I mean, I, I love when, uh, a quarterback or a leader, let me say a team leader, it doesn't matter if it's a quarterback or not, but I love when they take full control and they say, guys, follow me, you know, um, it's, it's, it's very, very important, you know, I mean, cause the, 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 the numbers of, uh, guys you're playing with all have personalities of their own. So if, if people get unraveled or they get uh, distracted and all that stuff, um, you need somebody to be able to smell that out and say, okay, no, uh, huddle up. And I remember I did that once 
Um, uh, I can't remember who we were playing. Maybe the maybe the Jets or something like. No, it was Washington. We were playing Washington um, in um, Oakland uh, at the time, and we it was a tight tight game anyway. And um, they uh, there was they called a timeout when we were getting ready to get a very very important punt return back, and. Um, Instead of everybody on our team being all like focused on their assignment and stuff and and just kind of like quiet and just kind of waiting patiently for the, the, the whistle to come so they can line back up and we can get the play going. And everybody was just BSing. A couple of our guys were like uh, on our team were play grab assing with the other guys on the with the Redskins at the time. Sorry, guys, that's what they were named. I I'm, I'm going to be able to. Won't be able to clean up everything here on my show. So, yeah, they were the Redskins back in those days. So, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? And I was mad. I was like, guys, huddle up. And uh, I'm talking about big old dudes, but like three times my size. I was, I want to yank them all freaking by their shirt and say, get in the freaking huddle. What's wrong with you guys? They aren't our friends. You know, they're just not right now. These guys are trying to completely put you off guard uh, because that's a, that's a weaponry. You know, taking your defenses out of your your uh, competition is a is a huge advantage, and that's what they were trying to do. So we huddle up, and I'm just like, guys, get focused here. Let's go. You know, they, I was already kind of seen as a, kind of like a special teams leader anyway. Uh, but uh, that's when I really, really kind of dug deep and said, okay, I'm tired of this stuff. So um, I don't know if Derek Carr had that. I really don't think he had that ability to to spot when his team needed to to get smacked in the face by their leader. And I mean, I watched my guy Derek Carr uh, many years, nine years he played uh, in Oakland. I had a, a Derek Carr, a framed Derek Carr jersey that I donated um, to a charity. Like I said, I talked one-on-one -on -one with the guy. Um, he's a very, very good, good, good soul. But in terms of the adding or having the type of tools that, uh, that uh, like a Tom Brady who is relentless, or uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's relentless, Aaron Rodgers, who are relentless. Um, I don't, that he can still find that, but it's going to have to happen in New Orleans now. It's not going to happen in Las Vegas, and um, maybe that's what he needed. So I'm looking forward to it. People were upset that they let go of Derek Carr, but man, if you couldn't see that coming, I don't know what what type of NFL you've been watching. Uh, yeah, because it's it's all about business. It's a business. You at some point, if you're playing that many years, you your salary becomes so much, and if you're not getting the giving those guys the type of results that they're looking for, yeah, your your time is limited. It's going to happen to everybody though. And then so uh, my the, my team, the Raiders, pulled another fast one by bringing in Garoppolo. And I didn't even see that move coming. I thought that was brilliant, to be honest with you. A very good move. And it just works around the board, you know. Um, there's chemistry aspects and stuff that are that come into play. One minute, uh, the receiver core is uh, there and the running backs are being handed off the ball by one particular person. And if that's been going on for so many years and you get caught up with it and you get used to it, then all of a sudden now you have somebody from a completely different team now, but with the same type of uh, strong persona. And now you got to transfer. Wait a minute here. Am I dreaming? That was Derek Carr just last year. Now is Jimmy Garofalo and he's in silver and black. 
Yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be trippy, but you have to have those type of movements in the NFL on a on a daily basis. And the Raiders are no different than any other team. Uh, these guys are trying to get rid of a culture where I'm sorry, man. I I was I went up there I, for like uh, purposes of uh, you know I'm alumni uh, part of the alumni group, so I'd go up there and. Uh, we'd have uh, reunions all the time, and sometimes, like I was saying, when I was a police officer, I'd go there and I'd, I'd talk to the, uh, uh, as a police officer, I'd go there and help uh, kind of answer questions from the, some of the guys and stuff at the team, and I'm telling you, they, there was a culture there that was just like some freaking incorrigibles, man, just like some knuckleheads in the, in the crowd, and I'm just like, man... This, I can I can get it if they're out there actually winning titles and stuff and coming and acting like that. But these guys were kind of coming off seasons where they were like three and uh, eighty seven, <laughs> and there's only like seventeen sixteen games in a season. They're like three and eighty seven. How does that happen? I don't even know. But they were that bad. But then you sit up here and then you listen to these guys. They thought they were like the kings of the world. And I'm just I don't know about this new school vibe, but it would be different if they were actually getting stuff done I could step back and let them have the floor but these guys are like like honorary like little punks man who are damaging the psyche of the rest of the team now that's one thing that I carried on from my police days you know if if someone was uh working with their with the uh the festivities and everybody was getting along and stuff and they were all kind of having fun with each other the great you know but if there was that one jerk who was was bullying everybody else and just ruining the mood and all that stuff and then being disrespectful to everybody not listening then the police get there and then they're the loud mouth and all that stuff too who do you think was the person going to jail <laughs> you know, more than likely for being drunk, but that was always the 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 one that would, uh, once you remove that person, the, the situation tends to fix itself. I remember being a police officer and work in the mall, um, and I took that mall assignment out the Bayfair Mall, I took that mall assignment uh, on purpose because I wanted to help clean it up, you know, and it's the reason why I'm telling this story is because it's the same thing uh, for professional football teams too. You know, if you have bullies that are just destroying the psyche and the, you know, the, the discipline level of the team, you have to get rid of them. Um, in this particular case, you know, uh, we were having problems with groups and packs of uh, kids coming in together, like 20 plus, uh, coming into the mall and just like roaming around, just acting a fool, loud, not buying anything. It'd be different if they were spending money, but these people are running around trying to in intimidate everybody. And I remember uh, me posted up on the, on the wall and I can hear them coming in and I just stayed where I was. They get closer and I, um, I kind of checked them out. And when they got closer, I said, Hey y'all, um, you know, um, you know, there's a rule against, against being loud. Right. And it's like, what, man, we can do whatever we want. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. You think so? And it's, yeah, this, this is a public place. I'm just like, okay, I know that. But, um, by the way, who's the leader here? And one of the biggest dudes in the group was like, yeah, I guess that'd be me. I'm like, okay, can I talk to you for a minute over here? He's like, Psh, yeah, all right. So we, pull, I, I, we go over to the side. I'm just like, hey, man, how are you doing? I, it doesn't look like you're a big fan of a, of police. No, I hate y'all fools, man, this and this and this, man. I'm just like, okay, I got that. Cool, that's, that's all right. We don't have to be friends. 
but I smell alcohol on your breath, all right? So that's probably why you're all like belligerent and loud and boisterous, right? You probably just got done coming from the restaurant over there and all that stuff and you're feeling kind of good, right? He's like, uh, yeah. I'm just like, okay, well, those are symptoms that some police officers, if they go to a call, they look for those objective symptoms and if, that, if they feel that that person can't take care of themselves, they can be arrested for being uh, uh, disorderly or drunk in public. He's like, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, man. So I'm not saying that, that that's the case here, but the if you're going to kind of get my attention, then I'm going to want to kind of interview you a little bit more to kind of make sure that you're okay to take care of yourself out here in the public. If not, then I'm thinking that maybe that drinking may have made you altered in your head, and then that means I'm going to have to call a couple of my um, other police buddies, and we're going to have to probably place you on the rest and take you to jail. He said, oh, man, you had to do all that. I'm like, well, okay, then, all right, I don't want to do that. He's like, well, wh what do I have to do? I'm like, just do me a favor, man. Just just keep it down with the, cr with the crowd. He's like, okay. I'm like, yeah, and also, can you split up? Can you, this is like way too many people walking around, man. You got business people, owners, they get scared. They get intimidated by that stuff. He's like, yeah, you know, you're right. So, <laughs> poor guy. He was just like, thanks, officer. I'm just, yeah, you got it. No problem, man. I, I got your back. I, so he goes over and says, right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go this way. You guys go that way. And like, let's keep it down, too. And they walked off, gave it a thumbs up. I gave him a thumbs up. <laughs> it was great. And they were really quiet, very respectful. So, you know, you know, so translate that to a general manager's position who comes in new to whatever program and kind of hears who might be bad apples and or who may be somebody who's just not given the effort that's that's necessary to not only get your team to the playoffs, but just play really smart, mistake-free football um, against teams who are just as good as you are. And the more mental mistakes you make, the, the worse off your team's going to do. So um, you have a guy coming in who has a background of like seven six something freaking super bowls at another organization what do you think that person is going to do they're going to immediately be able to summarize and sum up who's who's on board and who's not on board and if it comes down to money then that's going to play a factor because that's where the business part comes in so changes always have to happen in the nfl i mean people they they see what they want to see they think the nfl is just all beautiful and all that stuff but it's 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 it is 100 beautiful but Behind closed doors, the business decisions have to be made. And so uh, players need to understand that, that, that no one is beyond all that. So uh, you're better off just going in there and just kind of for, for your time, you're in the NFL, to go out there and dominate every play, every snap, every meeting, every everything, you know, be a strong leader, a strong mentor to the young players and all that stuff. Be respectful to the fans and everything and enjoy yourself uh, and try to lead, help lead your team to as many Super Bowls as you can so you don't have any regrets. Am I saying that because I have some regrets? Hell yeah. Guys, I... <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I mean, it started off young, you know, I mean, I just wasn't the most disciplined player in the world. And then that carried on over. So, you know, I mean, uh, you, you, you have to understand that the, that there's so much stuff that goes on in the NFL that people don't see. And um, by the time I figured that out, it was like way too late. Uh, I remember going to, um, uh, you know, when I first got drafted by the Jets, uh, I was, it was a rough beginning. But I, and I would go back to college because I was trying to, um, 
get my degree, I ended up leaving early and, and, um, and I didn't finish school. So I tried to go back um, and, and take some classes during the off season and all that stuff. It was honorable. It wasn't the easiest thing in the world because, uh, you know, I mean, my time had passed at the, at the University of Northern Iowa. Uh, it was all new faces. Everything about the program had changed. It had blossomed in this big, big way. Um, new coach. Uh, everything was different. And so, you know, I wasn't really trying to pigtail on the what the, the current team was doing anyway. I had to try to do my own thing. But I remember going, being in the library trying to study up for some tests and stuff. And I saw a couple guys uh, who were younger than me and they were, uh, you know, under, you know, they were still in school trying to finish up their degree. And they asked me, hey, Kenny, man, how's the how's over there with the Jets? I'm just like, man, it's tough, man. It's tough. Um, man, it's it's a real eye opening experience type stuff. And um, I wish that I would have paid more attention for the little things leading up to the NFL, uh, like when I get, I played in the Senior Bowl, uh, I went to the Combine, all those different things. Man, I, those were the times when I, you should have really kind of started seeing how the NFL worked and how the more you know uh, mature you come off, more professional you come off, the better it is going to be for you in the long run. I just wasn't like that. And I'm the, another example is like uh, a guy went to the Senior Bowl, Quadri Ishmael, who was uh, you know Rocket Ishmael's brother uh, back in the days, so just not as fast as Rocket, but still very fast, uh, very uh, nice size for a receiver, big boy uh, anyway. And so, and he got drafted by the Vikings and stuff. So I, it was kind of, you can kind of tell he was having a rough rookie season too. So I was kind of like using him as a, as kind of like a scale as far as like, man, it doesn't matter where he came from. I think he came from Syracuse and he was a big name and it doesn't matter if you come in you know, with the wrong attitude, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. So that's what I was saying. And it was like poor Quadri. I met him. He's a good dude, but um, I think that they're seeing him as just one big old cocky attitude in a purple and gold uniform. <laughs> and I didn't realize I was setting him up for one heck of a home run because immediately they they looked at each other like, "Yep, we know exactly all about that." <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, whoa. What they were saying is that Northern Iowa's colors are purple and gold. And I guess I had some attitude and cockiness about myself um, in college. And they, they threw that back in my face. They were being funny, though. They were my um, floor mates at um, one of the dorm rooms anyway. So we all had fun back then. Great, great guys and stuff. Um, and they were just being light. Uh, hearted on me and all that stuff, but it was funny to hear that. Uh, and I thought about, man, maybe I did have a slight attitude. But me, when I came into college trying to ball, man, I wasn't, I didn't think I was that cocky. You know, I might have thought I had some skills and stuff like that. Um, you know, they, I had some nicknames too. Uh, there was a Crazy K, um, and then they called me Shedhead, which was cool. Um, Shedhead was one of those things where it, it started its own like little movement. Um, you know, me and my bald head. I would have uh, the bald shaved head too uh, back then. And um, at the games, we would have uh, like about 20, no, I mean, not that many, maybe 12, I guess, uh, of uh, shed heads supporters there. And they all had like the little uh, rubber skin things for their heads to make them look bald. And they would sit up there in the stands and stuff with five on it and stuff. And they were called the shed heads. It was great, you know, you know, so, but yeah, it's hard not to get all kind of like feeling good about yourself and that. But I will tell you one of the guys who I played with 
uh, named Marcus, he gave me a nickname that was so cool, but it was so cocky that I could not accept it. I couldn't, I accepted it, but I just couldn't use it. It was called, he called me Quick Six. It was the a moment that I relive a lot because I was, he had no reason to say that other than we weren't talking about anything in particular. And he just out of the blue just gave me that nickname just at random. And it was just like, whoa, quick six, wow. He's like, yeah, man. I'm like, dang, that's kind of tight. And I tried to use it and I tried to, but then it was just kind of like too cocky. I'm like, oh, that's such a beautiful name. Uh, you know, I, I could have had I could have had a name like Primetime, you know, I and mean, look what that guy's doing right now. I mean, it's all in the nickname. Maybe I should have just stuck with Quick Six. And then, um, you know, I'd be the head, uh, head coach of Colorado right now. <laughs> in hindsight, Kenny, in hindsight, got to let it go. So but I was I was happy with um, what I end up doing in, in college and all that stuff. Um, like I said, um, and I'm going to take my experience, you know, to the other level when it comes to helping out these young high school ballers right now. So, you know, I mean, people, people have to, people have to understand that it's, it's no, it's no guarantee regardless of anything, man. The NFL is just, it's its own being and it can't be controlled. I know people have uh, great experiences doing fantasy football and think that it's similar to the NFL in a lot of ways it is, like on the business end. You know, you select your players, you have your general managers, um, you put your team together, and then you set up your team, your schedules, and you, you know, and you, you just do it the right way in tournament style. You know, and that, in that sense, that's how the NFL works. But I'll tell you what, there's another side of the NFL that um, um, people need to understand, and I'm going to try to do the best I can to explain it a little bit. I'm just going to give you a, a warning to all my um, parent listeners. You know, I might be mentioning drugs here and there, not that that had much to do with anything other than just uh, it might be a subject matter here and there that because uh, no matter what, that's part of the NFL underbelly that that most people don't see. But it's it's real. And, um, you know, it almost got me. And uh, not that I was on drugs. <laughs> it just I was around people who that's what they did. And I'm just I'm just if I think about it, like where in the heck did these people come from? You know, I'm from Davenport, Iowa, a town of a hundred thousand people, and that's big for the state of Iowa. I think the biggest town is like Des Moines, that's two hundred thousand. Then Cedar Rapids, and that's like a hundred and fifty thousand, and then Davenport. Those are the top three freaking uh, cities in in Iowa. So I mean, it's. The, it's nothing like that. You might have people when I grew up. Yeah, I had people who I went to school with and stuff, smoking weed, doing all that stuff. But you know, my I had a cop for a dad and a, a mom for a teacher, and they didn't play that stuff. You know, I mean, I <laughs> so I grew up not smoking weed or having drugs or doing all that stuff and everything. I, yeah, I'm you know, I might have had my my drinks and stuff as I got a little bit older and all that stuff, but definitely I never knew it anything about drugs and that type of stuff. So when I started getting in the NFL and, um, you know, I busted my butt to 
to grind um, and set up good things for myself, hit it in practice and build a big, big good name for myself. You know, I think things started kind of getting a little rough for me. I said, like I, and I mentioned this before, like when Coach Gruden came, just because my style was a little bit different than his. So for me, I felt that, you know, the old school Raider vibe is, was a highly successful way to have fun playing NFL football and, and dominate playing football too. Uh, there's so many stories like that. So, uh, Mr. Davis was was highly influential uh, still at that time. So, you know, that's just the way they the Raiders were. They they dominated on and off the field and they were loved by their community. So you, you would go out and party and hang with your community. It all made sense. I don't think that was a, something that Gruden felt too good about. And there's that's a positive. Uh, so I tip my hat to him for that. Um, it's just that uh, I just think that he deemed me as somebody who was was uh, being a bad influence. And um, when I think about it, yeah, I, I it wasn't on purpose. You know, I just started, you know, going out more and hanging out and, you know, and, and just kind of getting that that vibe, that Bay Area vibe, man, you know, I mean, and, and enjoying myself out there. Single kid, you know, playing for an NFL team. Uh, of course, you're going to do all that stuff. And, you know, and and I'm all I'm just telling you is that that that's the side of the NFL that people don't quite see. And it changes people. I could see myself turning into something that was like, whoa, what the heck is going on? You know, you go to these clubs and you get in front of the line um, just because of who you are and all that stuff. That stuff is powerful. You know, people want to hang with you all the time. They call you up and, you know, all these different things. They offer you all these gifts and everything and free services and like, like, hey, drive my car for uh, a month and stuff for, you know, uh, promotional purposes and stuff. And, and all these things are handed to these young players. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, no, I'm no different than any other person out there, you know. Uh, single, all that stuff. And, you know, I mean, I'm a good looking guy, but dang, he ain't that good looking to where as soon as you walk on in, you got people coming, these girls coming from all over the place and wanting to hang and stuff. And that's just, after a while, that starts influences, influencing the way that you are, I guess. And because you want to party and have fun. Um, and like I said, I'm no different from anybody else who's come up and coming in the NFL and stuff, um, you know, and, and just that's, that starts changing some things about yourself. And I remember, I remember once, and, and when I mentioned something about drugs, uh, you know, you go to the clubs and that's what those guys were doing. You know, they weren't football players, but you're hanging around an environment where, you know, it's just club scene people. And then they, they get, you walk in and you're with some couple people who aren't ball players, but they want to hang out with you. And then they introduce you to some of their friends and stuff. And, you know, after the whole, the glory of like, yeah, this is such and such who plays for the Raiders and stuff, and you're you get that everybody comes up to you. That that once that starts to wear off a little bit, kind of just want to just go to the club and enjoy yourself and have a good time and kick back and all that stuff. You don't really want to be you know hanging out with a bunch of people who are doing drugs and all that stuff. Um, so, but. You, but at the same time, you want to be out and about and having fun too. So I remember in this particular case, um, maybe I guess I was being a little bit too prudish and stuff because I was always like, kind of like, no, nah, I'm not 
no, I'm, you guys can do that ecstasy type stuff and whatever. Go, dude, just do your thing because I can dance on the dance floor, you know, without all that stuff and have fun and party and kick it and all that stuff. That was just my style. Uh, you know, I grew up a couple hours outside of Chicago and Chicago's famous for dance club music uh, places and stuff like that, like the Red Dog, the Shelter. Um, man, uh, there were so many different clubs out there that were just, just booming when it came to dance music and all that stuff. Um, and I could just, like I said, tear it up. I didn't need all that stuff. One time, um, I sit down and I'm looking one way. And then I guess, like I said, I, people were getting a little bit tired of me kind of giving them that look like, you know, you know, I'm better than them or, or whatever. So I'm looking one way. Then I heard somebody say my name and I turned to th that direction. And all of a sudden they pop one of those ecstasy pills in my mouth. And I'm like, oh. And I was like, what was that? Don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, Jesus. Ah, okay, I, I get it now and stuff. So um, was it a good experience? It was, you know, I'm a grown man uh, at that time. Uh, you know, I'm still a grown man, but I'm, t I'm talking about I'm not trying to make an excuse for, for letting that happen. That was me not paying attention. But at the same time, I put myself in that position to where I was hanging out with the crowd. And that's what they did. You know, they do the ecstasy and then they sit around on the couches and you know, just talk and just be weird and just kind of uh, rub their own arms and whatever that stuff was supposed to do to you. That's that was just weird to me. Um, but when they weren't at the clubs and you talk to these people, they were really funny, really cool people. It's just that was the culture when you go to the club was that. I was like, okay, that's different than how I remember growing up and stuff. And I played for the Chicago Bears when I was like a in my twenties. You know, so even then you go there, you, you go to the clubs, people were dancing, people were bumping and, you know, just grinding on the dance floor and just like, you know, and just having fun and just, uh, just killing it out there in the dance floor. You didn't, maybe there were a lot of people there doing the, the, that then, but it just, I didn't need it. So I didn't really want anybody putting me in that position to do it, but how do you have fun in the NFL when you're sitting at the house trying to, you know, protect yourself from getting involved in craziness because you're afraid? So after a while, you don't want to do that. Then you want to go out and it's just kind of hard to pick and choose when you're in that position and you're that young. It's hard to find people who are real, who really want to be around you because of you. You know, most of these kids are away from home and they're you know, uh, you know, they're in a different side of the country where uh, they're everybody they meet are, are pretty much new to them stuff. So you really your options aren't very good being a young NFL football player. You know, if you're standoffish and you don't do anything, you 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 get labeled. Um, you know, and then if you do go out and you party and you all, all that stuff, you know, eventually it gets back to your team and then they think of you as some type of like bad influence and stuff and you're not even really doing anything, but you're just going out clubbing and then, then you, you, you get caught, thrown under the bus that way. Um, it just was a no win situation after a while. I'm t my mom, I would always say my mom, I'm like, mom, I'm done playing in the NFL. I want to, like I said, I want to shut this down. This is, this is too much, too much of a mental roller coaster. And she would always say, no, you need to fight it out because where else you going to make that type of money, uh, that quickly. And I'm just like, man, so I go back out there, um, 
you know, and try to concentrate on all football and all that stuff. Like I said, but then all of a sudden, like, hey, you get the phone call. Hey, man, you want to go out? Fuck yeah, I do. Let's go. And then you're like hanging out and having fun. You know, it's very, very, very difficult, you know. And after a while, I kind of just, it started wearing me out, that type of lifestyle, because uh, when I bought my house, uh, big, big house that I love, and I, I mentioned it in one of my other episodes and stuff like that, it was my very first house, and it was huge. And then all of a sudden, it was right at the same time, all of a sudden, all these same people who I'm seeing at the clubs are now at my house. <laughs> They're now partying at my house. It was like one of those spots where it was a very social setting for my, um, at my house. And then now these people, the same people are chilling at my house. You know, I mean, it's just like, man, I got to entertain these people. I don't know how to entertain these people. I don't have stashes of whatever that they're on. I don't do that stuff. They don't drink beer. So, man, uh, you know, it's just like, I got to turn into a vampire, I guess, to be able to kind of hang out with these guys. So it was really weird. It was a very, very weird time. Um, and like I said, I started to feel myself changing as an individual. It started changing in a way that I really did not like. Um, so, um, and I remember, uh, you know, I started losing out on reps. I started getting pushed back and, you know, started losing my positions here and there slowly, but surely. And, um, uh, one of my, uh, one of my coaches, I had a lot of respect for, um, I asked him like, what's going on here? Why am I not on this instead of this? I was on that unit before. He's like, well, it was a uh, coach Gruden's decision. I'm just like, well, why did he do that? And he's like, well, I don't know. He didn't really say and they said, well, that's BS, you know, and, and he pulled me and he said to me very directly, he's like, Kenny, if you want to fix this, maybe you should go talk to Gruden and 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 tell him that you're not how he thinks you are. And I was like, it kind of stunned me a little bit. I'm like, what does he think I am? What is he? I, I bust my butt out there on the practice field. You know, he'll, he'll tell me I'm making plays left and right. And then he'll say, Shed, stop stop diving for balls. And then the next ball that comes over my head, I'm diving for that ball, you know? I mean, I gave the effort up, but I just think that he, you know, rumors started spreading that I was like a, a loose cannon and all that stuff. And in hindsight, I, you know, if, if that was, a, if that was a loose, being a loose cannon, holy crap, I don't know what out of control is then because I was mild, but you know, um, it's the position I put myself in. I own it. Um, and, you know, I, in a way, I was having the best of both worlds. And just uh, even when you're doing that, it, at some point, it's all going to come crashing down. Um, it's just how you handle it when you hit that rock bottom, I guess. So me getting released by Grudog um, was me kind of getting smacked in the face and knocked on my butt and said, okay, man, you took this way too far. So how I operate, if you guys have noticed, I give reasoning that would kind of make you think, yeah, Gruden screwed me. But then at the same time, uh, if you're paying attention to what I'm saying, you can understand what Gruden was seeing and why he was, uh, why he made the decisions that he made. Because in reality, I think that if I was uh, the type of disciplined and uh, hardworking individual that he wanted me to be, and he saw that on a regular basis, um, he would have uh, paved the way for me to really kind of be a big part of the offense and stuff. Uh, like I said, I didn't catch on too, too, too late. And yeah, so me and Gruden had some bad, bad days and all that stuff. We'd have some arguments. There was one argument that I got into it with them and on the middle of the field. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Coach Shaw uh, for, he was the head coach for the, he was just a, a, a offensive assistant at the time. 
And so here I am yelling back and forth with Gruden. He's yelling at me in the middle of practice and stuff like that because he took me off a play. And I'm mad at him because I think he's treating me like crap. And then uh, uh, Shaw came over um, and got in the middle. He's like, Kenny, don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't talk like that. And I'm just like, man, forget him, man. This is BS. If, if, if he's going to take me on offense, then okay, I'll fine. I'll just do special teams. And he's like, oh, God, man. Oh, and he just... He slapped his forehead like, oh, that was just so bad for me to say. And he knew it because after that, then I started getting taken off special team stuff. <laughs> so it's like the writing was on the wall at that point. And um, uh, so anyway, but, but that's, that's, that's just how it works. I mean, um, do I regret some of the things that I did and said, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is this is what I brought to the table. You know, I tried to do the best I could to to be a John Gruden robot, but I just couldn't make it happen. And so that's that's me being an Aquarius. Aquarius is we'll do the best we can, but at some point our independency still rears its ugly head, and um, that's what ended up happening. And so, uh, but I will say, as we come close to wrapping things up on our, on our another fantastic uh, episode. I will say, and I'm not throwing John Gruden on the under the bus. People know how much I love that guy. Uh, I will defend him to the world. Um, but at the same time, if people ask me, I'm going to tell the truth. Um, so I would always say, way before the email scandal came out, I said, God, Coach Gruden kind of has some uh, some favorites and preferences towards, uh, you know, uh, some of the not as dark athletes. Out there, you know, every time I turn around, I'd see some receiver who, who I just remember being homeless on the on the corner driving into practice. I passed that same guy, and all of a sudden now he's got a helmet and a jersey on, and he's in front of me. Like, what the heck? You know, I mean, you know, and 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 you know, I'm not going anywhere with that when people have to interpret that how they want. But all I know is this: that um, you know, in the NFL, the ratio is like 70% black, 30% white. Um, and I remember being in some of the uh, the meetings where we would pick who we think would would be a good fit for the Pro Bowl, and you'd have a roster of people, names, and all that stuff. And then each team would have their own number of ballots and stuff, and each person had to check a person that they wanted to be the Pro Bowl representative. Three people, I guess, for that position for. Uh, linebackers, receivers, or whatever. I tried to put my name in there a whole bunch of times and stuff like that on special teams. I came close once, um, but it, it, it was if I would have made that, um, I would have gotten a hundred thousand dollar bonus for making the special special teams, but Pro Bowl. So I almost made it, but yeah, like I said, business reigned supreme in the NFL, um, so I ended up not going. But I remember one of the guys on the team saying, hey, hey, wait a minute. We ain't got enough white guys. And then it's, okay, all right, um, all right, who's white in the, this category? Okay, uh, we're going to go with uh, uh, Johnny Smith for whatever. Okay, that works. And then everybody would ch check Johnny Smith um, for that role. Uh, sorry if I offended anybody in that one, guys. I was <laughs> being funny. I think I have like a discomedic uh, bone in my body here and there, you know, so please don't take what I say too seriously. But that's how it worked. That's how the NFL worked, you know, and um, it's necessary. You got you, you, it's, you have to have a mixture of both. You can't have one race. Uh, you just, it's, I don't know how to say that in a way that where it makes sense other than you have to have uh, an equal number, I think, of, uh, of, of players because 
uh, man, how do I say that? Just, just no. I mean, uh, it's 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 good to have uh, a variety of races on your team, um, not just uh, one particular race. I'll leave it at that. And um, you know, and then all of a sudden, but at the same time, you got to have uh, team chemistry. Uh, so no matter what, whatever the makeup is, whether it's 70% one race, 30% the other race, um, it doesn't matter. You still have to have a strong number of team leaders, no matter what color they are, and um, ones who are not afraid to step on up and uh, do what, the, uh, what, what uh, any leader would do at the time and smack some people around if they're acting a fool. You know, um, that's one of the things that I thought was uh, fantastic with the with the NFL is that you can you can tell over the year which team is going to go far and which one isn't. And um, I think and I'll wrap it up on that one. I think one thing that uh, the Raider coaches and the uh, the execs are a little bit tired of is that that of the Raiders being solid and looking good on paper. And then they'll go through their year and then it's just something will be derailed. You know, uh, I spent four years with the Raiders and I'll tell you what, there is no other better fan base than, than the Raider Nation. And over the last several years, this is just unacceptable football. It just isn't. You can't, you can't play ball like that um, and expect uh, to be honored with the fat contracts or re uh, revealed as reveled as one of the, the best things on the team and all that stuff. I mean, the, o the Las Vegas Ra Oakland Raiders at one point are, uh, are off on their own. They're an elite organization. And I'll tell you what, I support any move that puts them back in, it, back in the position of dominance in the NFL and go back out there and start spanking some freaking Kansas City Chiefs, San Diego Chargers, freaking uh denver bronco players and team around like that like like uh they should be so um raider fans just give this a moment to see how it plays out okay because uh, like i said um it all it is about is winning and that's all what it seems like it's the 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 staff and the the team is trying to do so with that k shed is going to be out Next episode, I want to bring my young daughter, Mercedes Capri, who's about to graduate in. Um, and I want to hear about everything she's been doing. I want you guys to hear about everything she's been doing because uh, uh, she's, she's on, a, on a path for greatness. And um, her parents only took her so far, and then she took it from there. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch, uh, you know, because if I was that focused on on going out and finding the all the different things that comes with a, a new uh, college student, which is like grants, scholarships, all that stuff. I mean, she runs track and uh, she's already been accepted to uh, academic wise to uh, Texas Tech, um, uh, Arizona, Oregon State, uh, Fresno State, uh, all these different places. But um, she's not settled. She still wants to to pave her own way so she's making phone calls she's trying to set up interviews with with coaches and all these different things to to help better her position uh, down the road and I would love for you guys to hear that coming from her mouth 
And um, and then I'm going to sit back and just let her talk. And I'll be sitting there with a with my chest out like a proud papa, like, you know, because what she represents is strength. And, um, you know, so a dad of two daughters, uh, there's nothing more beautiful than a strong woman. And with that, K-Shed out.